we're here on my back porch. Uh, we're not fishing today, but we're here on my back porch and I have brought a, uh, a very good friend of mine, Nathan White, to be with me. And uh, Nathan and I have known each other uh, a long time. I appreciate him and Debbie and his boys so very much and I'm grateful for their involvement with our church. And Nathan does a lot of different things, both uh, in our community and uh, at our church. So uh, Nathan, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be with us today. And we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, some, of, some of our friendship and some of our past. And then we'll talk a little bit about the story of uh, the Good Samaritan and a part of that that we're going to specifically look at where uh, the uh, Good Samaritan made a promise. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So um, I think we've known each other somewhere around 15 or 16 years. Sounds about right. And uh, so it's been quite a while. Mm -hmm. And you and I have always had this one special story <laughs> that is uh, kind of unique to you and I. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a great story because it, it illustrates how things can go wrong. Um, remind well, it, me of that story. It, it couldn't. It couldn't have gone more wrong that morning when we were trying to trying to. I'd taken a day off and we were going to go fishing, and uh, I was excited about it, having the day off and being able to just spend time with a friend fishing. I uh, kind of got to feeling a little bad there in that morning, and and it just progressively got worse and worse. And, and at a certain point, like I said, about 15 years ago. And uh, Eli was a small boy at that time, and he had stomach bug earlier in the in the week. Ah. So that morning, um, I realized that I may not have avoided that stomach bug like I thought I had, and and it just kept getting progressively worse as, as the morning went along. Yeah, I, I remember you coming up the ramp when, uh -huh. and you said I'm sick, and I remember I'd never seen that color of green in a human being before. Yeah, I, you were fishing, and I was trying to. Uh -huh. maintain my composure to some extent and and it just kept getting worse and worse to the point of I really at one point thought about just laying down on the boat ramp and uh, and would probably have to lay there until I got better or died because I'd have to get better to die because it was it was a rough morning and uh, well you had to drive us home I mean taking my truck and you had to drive us home I remember driving home uh, and I remember you being really sick and I remember us driving by a Mexican restaurant yes that was uh, just getting uh, their day started and the, the smells were coming oh, out. Great. And I remember that I went real slow through there mm -hmm. and you were really having a hard time mm -hmm. uh, keeping your composure. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's a uh, that, uh, good friend. Good yeah. friend doing that, yeah. yeah. yeah my, the other part that I remember is when we, when we got back to your house, mm -hmm. I remember how you got up your front steps. No, I crawled you, in. Yeah, you yeah. kind of crawled up the front <laughs> yeah. steps. You There's were, only two. You were sick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was sick as I've... That's one of the sickest I've ever been with a stomach ailment. And I remember it was in March as yes, well. Yes, it was. Because uh, I think March Madness was on mm -hmm. TV. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, yeah. I laid down on the couch thinking I'm, I'm just going to lay here, relax, and watch a basketball game. And I saw the tip, and I saw the post-game interviews. I just... I passed out on the couch asleep, and uh, that was... That was a 24-hour bug yeah. that was horrible. We're, we're probably all kind of famous for a story or something, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that happens in our lives. And, you know, we've talked about that one. But, you know, I think, uh, I think the story that has kind of identified me with, uh, 
with the guys in, in our small group has, has been uh, the story of the Miata. And uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I bought this uh, little Miata. Wanted it to be something Amy and I could just kind of ride around town in, take a couple little trips in, that sort of thing. And so uh, I bought this Miata and we started riding around. We kept it for, I think, about two years or so. And uh, was driving around. Well, I decided I wanted to do something different. So uh, I spent one whole morning cleaning that thing, going over it, waxing it. Of course, it's a Miata. It only took, you know, an hour and a half. Right. So, uh, you know, didn't have that much to do. Set it outside in the yard, and lo and behold, I put this for sale sign on it, and the first people that see it want to buy it. Now, Amy wasn't home. She was, she was at work. So all this happened, and... So this person comes by and says, uh, I believe I'll take it. And I was excited. I had accomplished my goal. I had cleaned it up, set it out there, and they paid me exactly what I wanted for it. And uh, I've always been a little, it's a little odd thing selling a car or something to somebody you know, but it turns out that we knew these people. Not only did we know them, we knew them very well. It, they were good friends of ours. And so, uh, so they buy the car. My wife comes home, Amy, she comes home and she says, where's the Miata? I said, I got good news. I sold it today. It was at that moment that Amy informed me that I had told her that I bought that car for her. Only I didn't remember ever saying that, but she says <laughs> I did. So, you know, I've just, in her mind, I've just sold her car. Well, needless to say, she is quite upset with me because I've sold her car. And then a little bit later, here comes our friends over, riding in the Miata, happy and excited. And, of course, that just made it worse because then Amy had to see it all the time. And uh, it, it's interesting because uh, nobody enjoys this story or enjoyed this story more than Jim Lawson. Jim absolutely <laughs> reminded me all the time about having sold my wife's car. And uh, so, actually, this is uh, an indication of how I ended up with my second Miata. Uh, it was to replace the Miata that I apparently sold uh, when I had promised it to my wife. So, uh, I've repented of such. I bought another Miata. And uh, so very interesting you know story there for sure that, that story has come up several times um, and in the interest of full disclosure has come up several times without you in the presence <laughs> and and several of those were Jim <laughs> I miss him yes I miss yes, him I this pandemic has been a tragedy and you know here recently uh, there have been other people that have passed away from the from the thing and uh, you know I think of all the Lawson family and just the tremendous loss that that has been to uh, to them and to all of us as well. So, you ever make any promises to your kids? You, can you think back of any promises you made to your kids and uh, you either fulfilled them or you didn't? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the promises we make and, and we've made to our kids, to the boys, um, 
are kind of an ongoing thing of always being there for them, to support them, to help them grow and develop and grow into to the young men that I'm, I'm proud to say they have. Great young uh, men. Your boys I, are great. I've tried to, tried to maintain the promises I've said if I always be there. But, and, I, and I've always told them that I'll be honest with them. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with them. And, and they, know, they know that when I, uh, I have advice for them or when they come to ask me for something, they know I'm going to tell them what I believe to be the truth and what I believe to be the best for them. Right. And Debbie and I have always tried to maintain that with them, that we'd be honest with them, we'll support them, and we'll do what we can to help them achieve any goal that they want to do. Your kids ever uh, ask you to say you promise when uh, you say you'll do something? They oh, have, yeah. So they want that promise. Mm -hmm. That promise, you know, it, it's interesting when we use the word promise because in part it's a way in which we build trust. If you promise, somebody is counting on you to actually do that. Yes. Kind of interesting. When, uh, when my kids were growing up, it, it's funny how families develop, you know, little uh, language things that, that go on. And uh, my kids would ask something, and if it was really important to them, they would say, do you promise? Mm -hmm. And if you promised, they, they expected that to occur. Yeah. Um, we also had another, it was kind of fun, uh, if the kids asked something, sometimes I would say, well, we'll see. And uh, I remember one day, um, my son had a friend over and he asked me something there with his friend and he said uh, dad and then whatever it was and I said we'll see and my son turns to his buddy and says that means no probably <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so kids kind of learn and yeah. so kids are developing and our, our, our friends our family everybody develops this sense of you know trust out of whether or not we make good on our promises. Um, you know, the story of the Good Samaritan here that we've used as the backdrop for, uh, for this My Town series, one of the words that is prominent in the story is the Good Samaritan makes a promise. And the promise that he makes is he drops uh, this guy off. I called him JJ in the last episode that I did because he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And uh, so I, I just called him JJ because he didn't have a name. But the Good Samaritan says to the innkeeper, you know, here's some money to take care of him. That's the easy part of the Good Samaritan's work. He's giving him money for his care. But then he makes a promise. And he says... You know, I've got to go off and do some other things. But if you'll take care of him, when I come back, I will take care of whatever else. There's that trust again. The innkeeper had to trust that the Good Samaritan was going to make good on his promise. I, I find, uh, and, and I've always enjoyed how you and I talk about you know, things, and, and so, so oftentimes it's funny. I, I love the, the communication, but I've oftentimes thought about the Good Samaritan and the, all the people. You know, of all people, why did this guy get beat up? You know, he's the only guy in the story that gets beat up. And there's apparently lots of people on this road. What was it about this guy that got him beat up? That's a good point. I don't know what, yeah, what it was. 
of course it's a parable so it's yeah. hard to know right. and years and years ago uh, one of my favorite movies was uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and uh, in the movie there's a uh, part that's kind of funny they uh, they're trying to go straight they're trying to do good and so they hire onto this guy to be his uh, security and he's got to go get payroll so they're going to get payroll and this guy he's singing and whistling riding his mule and all this stuff and they're going to get the payroll money and then they got to bring the payroll money back to the mine and pay all the workers well they hire butch cassidy and sundance kid to provide security and as they're uh headed to town butch cassidy and sundance kid they're looking everywhere for the robbers and they're they're concerned and all this stuff and finally the guy says to them you don't need to worry about robbers now we don't have any money. <laughs> yeah, he said, the danger is on our way back. Yeah. And I, I always thought yeah. that was such a funny story. Yes. You know, the time to get worried is when you got the money. Problem. Yeah. So I wonder if, uh, I wonder if JJ, um, they knew he had some money. There was something about him that made them rob him. But not just rob him. Beat him up. Beat him up. What a, what a terrible terrible situation to be in mm -hmm. but you know this Samaritan that came along the guy that we call the good Samaritan you know of the people he was the least likely person or was he the least likely person you know we might say he was the least likely person because we're reading it through the eyes of who Jesus is trying to see uh, this message through He's trying to see it through the people he's trying to teach a lesson to. This but it's called experts of the law. Exactly. And they're trying to trick him. <laughs> That's kind of a silly thing to do to yeah. Jesus. Yeah, isn't you it? don't want to do that. Not at all. <laughs> There's some people that we can maybe fool. It doesn't end well. <laughs> it did not end well, did it? No. You know, the very thing that they didn't want to do, they ended up doing, which was saying, oh yeah, the Samaritan guy, he's the good guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I imagine that was kind of awkward to deal with mm -hmm. later on, you know, yeah. back at the old uh, Sanhedrin meeting yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And the interesting part about that at the end is is, is they, they appear to demonstrate even at that point that the dislike of him because they don't actually say Samaritan. Mm -hmm. They just say the guy that did right. Yeah. Kind of took that kind out of took the. Took that out of it because it, it's kind of, kind of. I kind of equate it to the football coaches that can't say the, the opposing team's name. It's that that coach, that team to the east or whatever. They just. Well, a where, dislike for them. Where I'm from, you say the team up north. The team up north. Because You're not going to say the team. I grew name. up around Ohio, right. and so there's this team up north. Right. And. Uh, so this guy was just. It, it, yeah, it was the guy that did right. I'm not going to acknowledge it with a name. So the part of this story that you know we're we're tasked with today is the part that basically says somehow this guy made a promise, this good Samaritan made a promise, and he's made good on it, and and because of of the the outstanding treatment that he provided, you know we see that not only in Scripture do we find this promise, but I've noticed over the years as I've talked to people, people will talk about the promises that are made in Scripture. And one of them that I hear all the time, and I'm sure you do too, is God won't put more on me than I can handle. And of course, when you want to be funny, you always add a part to it that right. says, 
I really wish he didn't think quite so much yes. of me. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, but that's a promise. Yes. God won't put more on me than I can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives me some promise. Mm-hmm. And if I trust God that that's true, it means that whatever I face, I'll be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. I like that promise. Yep. As, as one that comes to mind is the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. I shall not want. Yeah. He's, he's promising us there that if we put him first in our life, if we put him as our shepherd, that we're not going to want for anything that we need. And I think we got to sometimes differentiate between what we want and what we need. He's going to provide for us what we need. Yeah. He promises us that. That's interesting during this pandemic as well, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we've all had to assess what we need. Yeah. Um, and it's not as much as we thought, maybe in, in certain instances. Yeah. Um, with, we've, we personally have done a lot of purging at the house, room by room, taking bags and bags of clothes to the Samaritan Center or wherever. Just, just had the opportunity, time at home with nothing to do. Right. And there's not as much as we thought we needed. No, and, and with some time, it gives you time to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's amazing all the little projects that you can get done and all that, the things that you've put off that, you know, we make everything else more important mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. Yep. You know, in, in John chapter 14, uh, there's a promise made there. Uh, it says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will go and where I am, I will bring you to me. And it says, I'll come again and I will bring you to me. You know, I place a lot of trust in that promise. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that beyond this life there is something better, something greater, that God is going to bless me with something eternal. And I really look forward to that. Uh, I've heard my dad uh, quote that verse so many times. That was, he said that was something he, uh, he learned in school. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, to think that you would learn that in school uh, is very different than the type of public education and that's what he was in public school, the type of public education that you receive today. Um, I, I sure wish our public education could and would involve more uh, more on spiritual oh, development yeah, for our young people because it is such a vital part of, of becoming a, a good person mm-hmm. and, and becoming like really the good Samaritan that we right. just talked about. Right, yeah. Um, another promise I think about is... Uh, in Exodus 20, it's the the first commandment with a promise: honor your father and your mother, that mm-hmm. you can you can live a long life. Um, you know, I was I was blessed, and, and a lot of people can say this that they they had the best mother and father in the world, and I had what I consider for me the best mother and father I could have had. An example of how to live a Christian life. Um, the old joke of you know, growing up, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church on Sunday morning. I was drugged to church on Sunday night, and I was drugged to church on Wednesday night. And I was drugged to church any other time. There was the doors were open. Um, but I, but it was done in a loving way. Yeah, uh, it was done in a way that uh, it was it was more so never of uh, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. It was more so they showed me what to do. Uh, we always had our doors open. My mother was that era where you always had a, a dessert ready for company. 
and somebody might just show up because there wasn't texting back in that day. Sure. Hey, what y'all doing? We're going to come over. Now somebody would just show up and we would always have dessert and open our home to people. Right. Uh, visiting preachers would have Sunday dinner with us. It's funny so. that you say that because I remember, I remember if, if some of the family showed up mm-hmm. at 530 on Sunday night, we would leave. Oh yeah, <laughs> leave them at the house. Yes. And yeah. and again, the drug problem. Uh, yep. They was drugging me off the church. Right. Yeah. I think it's dragging, but yep. uh, yeah, we know. better leave because we better leave and go to church because they might want to go home. That's right. So That's it's funny. time to go. Uh, I guess Nathan, one of the things that that comes to mind for me is from the beginning in Genesis all the way through Revelation, the Bible is one big promise. It starts with God's, you know, promises to us, and uh, you know He there in Genesis three promises. Once we messed up, He promised a Messiah, and then we go all the way through Revelation and we find Him describing, you know, the Lamb, the Lamb that is sacrificed for our sins eternally, and so we have this promise that starts and it it traverses all these thousands and thousands of years. To bring us to the moment we're in now that no matter what we're faced with even in this pandemic you know uh, even at this time where you and I get to uh, share time together and exist on this planet um, God's promises are still just as real and faithful as they've always been I want to thank you for joining me today thank you for joining me on this uh, series my town and I appreciate very much your willingness to, uh, to share uh, some things with us here today. Thank you for being with us. And uh, be sure to tune in for the future episodes of My Town.